Coast and floorboards to shingles. This is the Money Pit Home Improvement Radio Show. I'm Tom Kreitler. And I'm Leslie Segretti. What are you working on this fine day? We're here to help you get your projects done. If it's a home improvement project, that is. If you got to go shopping, you're on your own. But if you're shopping for <laughs> a new appliance, a new color paint, perhaps some new outlets for your house, perhaps you want to improve the insulation, you want to improve the ventilation, you just want to make a nicer space so you're more comfortable in it. That's what we do. We're here to help you. The number is one eight 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 Money Pit eight 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 six 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 three nine seven four. Coming up on today's show, President's Day is just ahead. Can you guess which American president lived in an early eco friendly home? We're going to have the story and tips for doing it yourself in just a bit. And do you or a loved one rent your home? Well, it probably feels like a safe bet, but there is a loophole that's costing renters big. We've got the details coming up. And also ahead, we've got a new way to save water with every single flush. We're going to teach you about the world's most efficient toilet in just a bit. And one lucky caller this hour will never drill or hammer the wrong spot again. We are giving away a stud finder. It's a must-have prize for do-it-yourselfers worth 20 bucks. going out to one caller drawn at random. Make that you. Pick up the phone and call us at 888-MONEY-PIT. All right, Jeff in Michigan's on the line with an ice damming issue. How can we help you? What we have, uh, we have a house that was built 20 years ago. Uh, It's Cape Cod. And on the front part of the house during the cold season when we get snow and ice, it seems to be building up ice dams in the front. And it has, oh, probably 18 inches of insulation in the upstairs so I've even tried the uh, electric heat tape to try cutting it back, and it still seems to ice up. So I'm just trying to figure out what I can do to solve that problem. Okay. So the insulation, does that sort of get pressed right up against the underside of the roof sheathing, or do you allow ventilation to pass over the top of the insulation? What it does is they have styrofoam-like ducts up to it, down to the front of the fascia. Is there ventilation in the soffit area so that air can pass over that? Because the problem here is this, all right? Heat is passing up through that insulation, and it's warming the roof directly above it. And as a result, the overhang is staying super cold, so it's freezing there and causing that dam to build up. If you have proper ventilation where the air is getting into the soffits, running up underneath the roof sheathing and out at a ridge, um, that will protect against ice dams. That's all you can do really inside. From the outside, do you have you had to do any repairs as a result of these ice dams? Have you actually gotten water leaks or anything like that? No, we have not. Because if you do, the good news is that they're covered by homeowner's insurance, and if that was the case, I would have that portion of my roof removed and make sure I have ice and water shield installed up three or four feet from the roof edge to make sure I never got any leaks in there again. Okay. All right. So I would take a look at the insulation, make sure you're getting good ventilation above it. And if it does happen again and you ever get a leak, um, call your homeowner's insurance agent, get a claim filed, and then have ice and water shield put in so it never happens again, Jeff. Okay, great. I appreciate it. You're welcome. Good luck with that project. Thanks so much for calling us at 888 Money Pit. Now we're going to Arkansas where Deborah's on the line thinking there might be some mold in her money pit. Tell us what you're seeing. The last rain that we had, uh, water got in one of my bedrooms. And once the water got in, I noticed that there was black spots on it, which was mold that was on there. And I was just inquiring about should I get someone to come out and clean that or if I would be able to 
uh, clean that myself. Have you fixed the leak yet, Deborah? No, I have not fixed that. Okay, so the first thing you need to do is fix the leak, because if you don't fix the leak, it's just going to come back over and over and over again. So do that first off. Secondly, with respect to the mold, I would spray a bleach and water solution on that, about one-third bleach, two-thirds water. Protect the surrounding area so you don't uh, stain uh, the carpet or the furniture or anything like that. Let it sit for a good 15 or 20 minutes, and then you can uh, clean it up uh, after that, rinse it off and, and clean off the wall after that. And I'd spray a product called Concrobium Mold Control over that, which will leave sort of like a residue behind that will stop any future mold from growing. But there's no sense doing all that if you still have a leak because that leak's going to cause the mold to keep growing. So fix the leak first, then get rid of the mold after that. Okay, Deb? Okay. All right. Thank you. Appreciate it. You're welcome. Good luck with that project. Susan in Tennessee, you've got the money, but how can we help you today? I was calling because I have a large room that was converted from a garage into a living room, Mm -hmm. but it's got some dark, ugly paneling on it. And what's the best way to remove it, or how do you undo paneling? I mean, it really depends on how much work you want to do and how that paneling that's there was attached to the existing structure. Now, it was the garage previously? Yes, and it was, like, ridiculous. It it was paneled, and, like, it was a really elite garage when we moved in. It was crazy. Now, do you know, is the paneling just attached directly to the studs of the wall, or is it attached by glue to drywall? Have you had any clue what's behind it? I don't. I wonder if there's a place, you know, where you can lift up a piece of trim or remove a switch plate and see what's sort of going on with that. Because it could be that it was a garage. It could just be that the paneling was put directly onto those studs and then you could pull that off and have a clean slate and just go ahead and put some drywall up. And while you're at it, add some insulation because if it was a garage, there's a good chance... There wasn't any there before. Now, if you do find that it was attached to some drywall, it's probably glued on and everything behind it's going to be a mess. So you've got two choices there. You can either just make that paneling look attractive by painting it. And you know what? When paneling is painted like a glossy white or a glossy neutral color, it actually doesn't look so bad. It can kind of be that great, interesting base texture with sort of a modern country feel, if that makes sense. Um, But if that's something that you're like, oh, God, no, I don't even want to see it, you can easily go over it with quarter-inch drywall. The only thing is where you've got, you know, switches or outlets or trimming, those things are going to have to bump out a little bit. So that requires a little bit of carpentry, but it's not the end of the world, and it is a do-it-yourself project. Okay. So it really depends on what it's over. Depends on what it's over, how it's attached, and how involved you want to get. Okay, well, I guess the first thing I'm, I will need to do then is take a piece off or figure that out and go from there. Don't sound so down. It's not a difficult project. <laughs> <laughs> okay, well, I appreciate the advice. You're very welcome. Good luck with that project. Thanks so much for calling us at 888 Money Pit. You are tuned to the Money Pit Home Improvement Radio Show on air and online at moneypit.com. Give us a call with your home repair or your home improvement question. Basically, if you're doing something that's related to the inside or outside of your house, we can help. We're here for you 24 hours a day, seven days a week at 1-888-MONEYPIT. 888-666-3974. Up next, do you rent your apartment or your house? There's a little-known risk associated with that that can wreak havoc on your finances. We'll have the details next. You live in a body pit. 
Making good homes better. Welcome back to the Money Pit Home Improvement Radio Show. I'm Tom Kreitler. And I'm Leslie Segretti. Hey, give us a call right now. You'll get the answer to your home improvement question. Plus this hour, we're giving away a stud sensor, which is a great tool for finding studs so you can hang stuff up without it coming crashing down. Worth 20 bucks. Going out to one caller, drawn at random. The number again is 888-MONEY-PIT. Now we've got Leroy on the line who's got a painting question. How can we help you today? Yes, I uh, had some uh, water damage on my ceiling. It uh, has left a stain on uh, the ceiling in the bedroom. I was wondering what can I do to repair that. I paint over and it still comes through. Yeah, if you don't prime it first, Leroy, it will come through. So the key is that you have to prime the stain spots because the chemical reaction that occurs in the stained area absolutely has a way of pulling right through the top coat of paint. So if you prime it and then paint over it, you'll be okay. Now, I will say this. If you spot prime it and then flat paint over it, you may... Uh, see a slightly different sheen, even though it's a flat sheen, because the absorption rate is going to be different uh, on the primed versus the non-primed spot. If you really want to do it right, you would prime the entire ceiling and then repaint the entire ceiling, and then it would be completely invisible. But if you don't prime it, you will see the stains pull through. Great. Hey, thank you. You're very welcome. Thanks so much for calling us at 888-MONEY-PIT. Now we've got Jackie in Colorado on the line with a wood paneling question. How can we help you today? Well, I've got this old uh, medium-colored uh, wood paneling, which is really light, that was put over concrete walls. It's it's the one that's got the black stripe, you know, in it. Okay. I just want to know how the best way to clean it. I Years ago, I used Murphy's oil. You mean Murphy's oil? Uh-huh. Yeah, Murphy's oil soap is the best way to clean wood. Have you used that again? Well, I just used maybe a tablespoon with a bucket of warm water. Would that be okay? Yeah, I think you can actually use a little more than that. Follow the label directions, but when you're trying to clean old wood paneling like that, Murphy's Uh Oil Soap is really the best way to go because it's not going to dry out the wood and damage it. It's very, very gentle. Just follow the instructions, but I think that's the best product to use for that situation. Okay, uh, I really enjoy your program. It's just uh, very enlightening for me, and... I thought, you know, if I need to find something else, I'll just call you guys. Well, if you rent your home rather than own it, there's a good chance that you do it to save money or perhaps to control spending. But it turns out that renters are vulnerable to one very serious expense, the cost of replacing personal belongings that are ruined by a fire, a flood, or other home-related weather damage. Yeah. Now, on rare occasions, landlords will include clauses in the leases that guarantee they'll cover renters' damages in the event of an emergency. But those clauses are very uncommon, which means most renters are vulnerable. Yeah, and especially vulnerable during cold weather months when most home fires take place. You know, without content insurance, furniture, your clothes, your other belongings that are damaged by smoke or flames or water from hoses are just not covered by the landlord's insurance, which is why renters really need their own. Yeah. Now, a standard content insurance policy will run between 10 and $20 a month, which really isn't that expensive. And it will cover everything from fire and lightning damage to items lost to an explosion, burglary, even wind, hail or, you know, other kind of scenarios known as perils if you want to talk in insurance speak. So don't be perilous. Pick up that content <laughs> insurance. It's going to cover you from mechanical problems, fires, floods. You got it. Make sure that if that happens to the house you're living in, that your stuff can be replaced. Clarence in Nebraska's on the line with a basement that's cracking up and he wants to fix it. What can we do for you today? Yeah, I had a uh, contractor come in and pull my basement walls back and 
I've got these cracks in the mortar. Some are pretty pretty big. Other ones are hairline. What can I do to uh, fix that? Do you have to cut it out, or is there a tool you can chip it out and then uh, re-cut point that, or what do you think? The common mistake is kind of what you just explained. When you say tuck point, you're assuming that you're going to put more concrete or mortar mix into that crack. And that's not going to work because the patch and the wall surrounding it are going to have different expansion and contraction rates. So concrete product manufacturers have products designed specifically for crack repair because they're flexible and designed to stick to the old concrete surface. So, for example, you could go to QuickCrete dot com q u i k r e t e they have a concrete repair product that comes in a tube it looks like a caulk tube and you apply it with a caulk gun and it's like a sanded acrylic latex formula it's designed specifically for crack repair you can buy it in a 10 ounce size uh, or a five and a half five and a half ounce sort of squeeze tube size and you can fill the cracks in with that you know it's going to dry solid and it's not going to open up again and it's good for either vertical or horizontal applications so you want to use a product like that that's designed specifically for crack repair because if you don't clarence it's just going to fall out and you'll be doing the same thing over and over again Kind of recrack. I don't know if it'd fall out with it. Well, it may, and very often it does, especially if you get any moisture in there as well. If it's a basement wall, it gets cold, you get some frost heave, it can pop out. So I would use the product that's designed for it, and that's just one by QuickCrete, and I'm sure that that will work out for you. Okay? Thank you very much. Kathy in Indiana's on the line and is dealing with a bald spot on her roof when it's snowy out. And we've been getting a lot of snow this winter, so your house must look like it's in need of a toupee. <laughs> What's going on, Kathy? <laughs> Hi. Yes, we we just moved down here from Wisconsin down to Indiana. We bought this house, and um, we've been doing a lot of work on it. And when we got our first snow, I noticed on the back part there is a like a foot and a half inch diameter bald spot every time we got a snowfall. Okay. And we had a friend contractor come down. He went up in the attic, and he's like, "There's nothing going on here." So the only thing we thought, well, maybe is going on is we have a heat pump and we also have our dryer vent in that same area back there. And so now I had two different suggestions. He said to put a soffit venting on that whole area to get more air going up through there and possibly maybe it's coming from the heat pump. But um, then I went to um, a Home Depot and I was talking to the guy there that seemed to know quite a bit. And he said that what he would do is, take it and, and remove all the vented area, vented soffit in that area. And so if there is heat coming up, he said, but this shouldn't happen. And so this is, you know, this is what people do. They put their heat pumps outside and, and he's never heard of anything like this before. So we ended up doing that. So we don't know yet if, if that actually helps it or not. But Yeah, it's not, not hurting the roof, not having snow on that one spot. If you want to know why it's happening, it's because that spot is warmer than the other spots around it. Now, why is it warmer? Well, you mentioned there's a dryer exhaust duct there, near there. If the dryer exhaust duct is not completely sealed, if it's dumping warm air in there, that's going to heat up that spot over the roof, and then any snow that hits there is going to melt and roll down. If the insulation has some gap in it of some sort in there where more room air can get up and heat that area right above it, that could cause it as well. But I would not tell you to start messing with your venting and everything else just because you've got a foot and a half spot that doesn't or snow doesn't stick. You know, it's curious, but it's not a major problem, and I, I wouldn't recommend major work for it. Okay, so it, 
we don't have to be concerned that there's heat getting up there and it's going to cause mold and issues going on. Well, I mean, I would, I would try, I would determine if there's an obvious source of warmth that's getting into that spot, but you know, actually adding heat to that area is not necessarily going to cause mold. You get more mold in the, in the less heated spaces, frankly, because when you warm moist, when you warm air, it uh, it uh, you know uses more moisture essentially. That's why the warm air holds more moisture. So that that's not really a concern. It's just kind of a curious thing. And you know, if you've got a dryer vent that's right near there, I'd, I'd start with that because that would make perfect sense. If the dryer vent is is losing some of its air right in that space. Um, that's not a good idea either because you don't want to be dumping any lint into the attic. That could be dangerous, okay? Okay, well, very good. Thank you. All right, Kathy. Good luck. Thanks so much for calling us at 888-MONEY-PIT. Anastasia in Colorado's on the line with a bathtub question. What's going on? Well, I have a um, tub drain. I'm trying to get that out, the drain out, because it's, you know, I can't put a plug in it now. So... What I've tried is the uh, drain remover tool, or it's a plug wrench, and then I also tried the flaring tool to get it out, and neither one of them works because the the little crosshairs in the bottom aren't still in there. Oh. Because it's like from 1960 tub. So you have nothing to grab onto, is that what you're saying? Yeah. So I've tried to get WD-40 in there underneath the tray, but I can't reach under there. And then I could crawl under the house, but I don't want to do that. (laughs) So I was trying to think of a better way of getting it out. If I understand it correctly, this normally would unscrew, but what you're driving, what you're trying to grab onto is either stripped or completely gone. Correct. I have only two suggestions for you. Um, Number one is to hire a plumber, which is probably, you didn't need me to tell you that, but I will say that the plumber's I deal with this kind of thing all the time. And secondly, um, if if I was a plumber and I was faced with this and, and there was absolutely no other way to get this off, I would probably drill it off and chisel it away, which you can do with a cold chisel. And it's not a pleasant process and it's time consuming and kind of a pain in the neck. But when all else fails and you just got nothing to grab onto, that's a way to get it done. All right, that's what I thought, but I thought you might have a little trick up your sleeve. (laughs) (laughs) But that's a trick, but it's a lot of hard work. Anastasia, thanks so much for calling us at 888 Money Pit. Still ahead on today's show, we're going to tell you about the world's most efficient toilet. It uses less than one gallon of water with each flush. That's very little water, guys, when you're joking about toilets. So stick around. 888 Money Pit. The Money Pit is brought to you by Lutron's new Maestro Occupancy Sensing Switch. Never ask, who left the lights on again? Starting at around $20, this motion-sensing light switch turns the lights on automatically when you walk into a room and off when you leave and works with all types of light bulbs. Learn more at LutronSensors.com. Making good homes better, this is the Money Pit Home Improvement Radio Show on air and online at MoneyPit.com. Give us a call right now with your home improvement question. We're here to help. Joe and Georgia, you've got the money, but how can we help you today with tankless questioning? What's going on? Based on the, the high capital cost and the fact that uh, natural gas prices seem to be at an all-time low, uh, what is the return on investment or payback period? And does the federal government still offer tax credits? 
second part of that question, um, is the annual maintenance contract that the installers offer really needed? Okay, well, first of all, the tax credits are less and less today. I believe there are some still some small tax credits. I do like tankless water heaters for a number of reasons, though. First of all, they last a lot longer than a standard tanked water heater. Secondly, they're really energy efficient, and you never run out of hot water. Very very important to me, since I've got two teenagers in my house. If I'm the third one to get in the shower, forget it. It's not going to happen. So I like the fact that they never run out of hot water. Uh, and I think if you compare the cost of tankless against not a standard inefficient tank water heater, but a high efficiency tank water heater, you will find that the difference is not that far apart. Um, the contractor service contract, look, you need to have this thing serviced like anything else. I, I don't think it needs a, you know, a big expensive contract. What it's typically going to need is a yearly service. And so I would have to probably judge that against what this contract covered. If the contract covered all of my gas appliances in the house and I felt like it was reasonable, I might do that only for the reason that we know that these gas appliances need service because they burn dirty and they eventually have to be cleaned. Uh, But I will say that these newer, more efficient ones need a lot less maintenance than the older, inefficient ones ever did. Okay. I guess what what I'm hearing out there on um, on the installers is, um, these are standalone service kind, and and if you compare that to a traditional hot water heater, you typically don't see any service required. And I think the capital is maybe ten x difference. I mean, maybe eight hundred dollars for maybe nine hundred for a hot water heater, and you're looking, I think, upwards of four thousand dollars. I should say. Yeah, that sounds a little. That sounds a little crazy. I'm not seeing that. I mean, what I'm seeing is. If you bought a high efficiency tank water heater, it might be fifteen hundred bucks, and if you bought a tankless water heater, it might be you know two grand or something of that nature. Uh, I'm sure you're going to run to contractors that are really driving the prices up and trying to create you know charge you crazy money for service contracts and things like that. You just might not be talking to the right guys, Joe. You endorse any particular manufacturer? Yeah, you know, there's a, there's a, there's a bunch of good ones out there. I mean, Renai makes a good one. Reem R H E E M makes a good one. I'd take a look at those. We're talking about gas, right? Yeah, natural gas. Yeah, I would take a look at Renai and Ream. Okay, excellent. Two good brands. Okay, Joe, good luck with that project. Thanks so much for calling us at 888 Money Pit. So when I was growing up, the standard toilet used five gallons of water with every flush. Now, I grew up in a family of five, and that is a lot of water. Well, toilets have come a very long way, but this year at a trade show called Greenbuild, we learned about a toilet that's being touted as the world's most efficient toilet on the market today. Yeah, it's made by Niagara Conservation, and that's a company that's been around for a really long time. I mean, like way before saving water was cool, so to speak. They've really been at this for that long. And Shane Miller from Niagara talked to us about what's different about the Niagara Stealth Toilet. These toilets are a little different than what probably what you're used to, where you know water is the driving force pulling the waste down. Um, this one relies more on compressed air and, and um, you know the air pulling the waste down the line. So when we look inside the toilet, we see um, the sort of a black box, right? And what that does is that it sucks up the air from the lines itself. It doesn't let any of those sewage gases get to the outside, stays inside. But then when you actually uh, use the lever to flush it, it takes that air and pushes the waste down. So the water coming behind it, that point in gallons, is really just cleaning the bowl at that point. All right. The entire interview is featured in our Top Products podcast online at moneypit.com. And if you'd like to learn more about the stealth, it's at niagaraconservation.com. 
Up next, he's known for so many things, and you can add Green Home Pioneer to that list now. We're going to tell you about the energy savings trick used by none other than Abraham Lincoln when the Money Pit returns after this. You live in a money pit. You've worked hard for what you have. Your money, your assets, your 401k, and home. Isn't it all worth protecting? Nearly one in four consumers have been a victim of identity theft. LifeLock Ultimate Plus helps protect your finances with up to $3 million in reimbursement. LifeLock alerts you to identity threats you might miss. And if your identity is stolen, your dedicated U.S.-based restoration specialist will work to fix it. Let LifeLock help protect what you've worked so hard for. Save 25% off your first year on LifeLock Ultimate Plus at LifeLock.com slash aware. Terms apply. This is the Money Pit Home Improvement Radio Show. I'm Tom Kreitler. And I'm Leslie Segretti. Give us a call at 888-MONEY-PIT. We're going to help you with whatever you are working on around your Money Pit this weekend. Plus, we've got up for grabs a truly useful prize that pretty much every homeowner should have. And if you don't, here's your chance to nab one. We've got up for grabs a stud sensor, which really helps you locate the studs fast, very easily. It's got a built-in erasable marker, which will help you mark the spot that you want so you know exactly where you're going. And it's worth 20 bucks, but it could be yours for free. So give us a call for your chance to win. Going out to one lucky caller, drawing at random. That number again is one eight 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 money pit Betty in Texas, you've got the money pit. How can we help you today? We live in a ranch-style home, and uh, we have several bedrooms and bathrooms where the um, the door frames, up above the door frames on just one side are cracking, and we have repeatedly have um, contract workers out here to repair them, and it is not held. feel like it's Groundhog Day. You're fixing the same thing over and over again. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's pretty common. Um, around the door frame and around windows, those are the weakest portions of the wall. So mm-hmm. if you have some movement from a normal expansion and contraction, that's where it's going to show. Typically what happens is you'll have a painter or a handyman come out and they'll spackle the crack and paint it, and it seems to go away for a while. But, of course, as soon as the wall moves again, it shows up. What you really have to do here is sand down the area around the crack, and then okay. you have to cover it with a perforated spackle tape, and that usually looks like a like netting and it's a little sticky. You put it across the, the crack, and then you spackle over the tape, and that does a permanent repair because it actually sort of melds one side of the wall with the other, and it should not separate again the next time the wall moves. Okay. Well, that sounds wonderful. <laughs> Thank you so much. I appreciate your help. You're very welcome. Thanks so much for calling us at 888-MONEY-PIT. Murray in Illinois is on the line, and you need some advice on buying a new water heater. What can we help you with? Well, my issue is I have a house full of females <laughs> and myself, and we, have, we are having a issue with keeping up with hot water. I presently have a 40-gallon natural gas water heater, and I was wondering if I could get your guys' opinion. Uh, the bathroom they shower in is upstairs, and we also have a washing machine up there, and I was wondering what you guys thought of the instantaneous water heaters. I've I've seen some small ones that it said would put out like 3.3 gallons per minute, and I had no idea what an actual shower takes, and I just wondered what you guys thought about that to supplement maybe the hot water heater. Okay, so first of all, um, we are fans of tankless water heating technology, and so we do believe that if your water heater was failing, then that would be an appropriate thing to replace it with. In your case, you're talking about supplementing 
which is a bit different because you really have to have your water heating your water heating needs zoned into two separate loops if you want to supplement because then you have half on the on the tank water heater and half on the tankless. The issue of your water heater being located a distance from the plumbing fixtures that you want to use most frequently is not going to be solved regardless of what kind of water heater you have because the water still has to travel the same distance. But if you're concerned about running out of hot water, that's not going to happen with the tankless. It just won't. And you buy the tankless based on how many bathrooms you have in your house, and there'll be plenty of hot water to keep everybody in those bathrooms uh, showered for as long as they want to stay in there. So you're saying just it's best just to replace the natural gas one I have and get like a whole house tankless? Yeah, exactly. How old is that one you have now? Uh, it's probably, I'm guessing, five or six years, maybe. Yeah, so it's still pretty new. I mean, it, it usually lasts about 10 so you got a decision to make, you know. I mean, if you're if you're running out of hot water, then maybe it's worth uh, worth doing. Okay, I appreciate your help. Well, hey, we talk a lot about energy efficiency on this show, and it turns out that there's one president in our nation's history who is actually a pioneer in green living and probably didn't even know it. I'm talking about Abraham Lincoln. Now, he spent his young years in a log cabin in Kentucky, and that's where the green living steps in. Yeah, you know, log homes, they might sound old-fashioned, but they actually score very big when it comes to the R value, and that's the factor used to calculate energy efficiency. Yeah, and the reason is because the log walls contain millions of tiny air pockets which store cool air in the summer and warm air in the winter. So if you think about it, a log home is really the original form of a green building. Mm -hmm. And you know what? It's not actually a far-fetched idea to have a log home today. And thanks to today's building technologies, you don't have to run for the hills to build it. Many of today's log homes are actually constructed from kits, and they're really easy to assemble. Yep. So with factory milled logs and a selection of over 200 manufacturers out there that build these log homes, the choice is really yours, and you'll be very green in the process. Barry in North Carolina is on the line and looking for some help with a sunroom. Tell us what you're working on. Well, we've got a 12 by 15 uh, sunroom, and it's just it gets cold and it gets hot. Um, mm-hmm. It's double pane glass insulated, and it's about two inches thick for the um, the bottom part. But it's like all metal, all aluminum, and it's just cold and hot. And I just want to know, and it is ducted. There's air duct out there. And okay. is there anything I can do to make it warmer in the winter and cooler in the summer? Well, what's going on here, Barry, is you are not putting enough cool air or warm air in that space to deal with the heat loss that's going on. So I presume now this you, what you did is extended your HVAC system into this space. Is that how it's ducted? We yes. say it's ducted? All right. And this is typical. The, the HVAC system is not sized correctly for that area and for the heat loss in that area and for the heat gain in the summer. This is a perfect scenario, though, for you to add a kind of system called a mini-split ductless. Mini-split ductless is basically three pieces. You have an indoor unit that hangs on the wall. You have an outdoor unit that's a very small, very quiet, very efficient compressor, and you have copper tubing that connects the two. And you would buy one that's just big enough for this sunroom, and what it would do is supplement the central heat or cold air that's coming through the duct systems and balance it out. It can have its own thermostat. It can uh, supply warm air in the winter and cold air in the summer, 
and make that room totally comfortable. There's little else that you can do to insulate the structure. It's just a very cold structure by its very nature, a sunroom. But a mini split ductless is a good product to install to balance this out. You might want to take a look at this website, constantcomfort.com. That's the website for the Fujitsu company. I personally have mm-hmm. a Fujitsu mini split ductless in my office because the room, just like you say, it's too hot in the summer, too cold in the winter. And it's been the perfect uh, addition to my HVAC plan because it really makes this space comfortable. I've seen those units mounted before, but usually they're mounted up high. Can they be mounted yeah. down low? You know, I believe they can, but the higher the better, especially for the cold air so it falls. But there's only like two and a half feet of solid piece down below. The rest of it's all window. Well, what about the wall against the house where the ducts come through? Um, that's the point. I hadn't thought about that. Yeah, see, it doesn't have to be on the exterior wall. It okay. can, and in fact, you would want to have it on the interior wall against the house where the ducts come through mounted up high. And you'll be amazed at how comfortable that space will be. The website, again, is constantcomfort.com. You can check out the Fujitsu's there. And they also have an energy efficiency calculator so you can figure out you know, pretty much how much energy you save. problem is that we build these spaces and we add them onto our house. We try to extend the heating and cooling systems. And it just puts too much pressure on the system. Yeah, it's just not enough. Okay, very good. That answered my question, In Still ahead, have you ever wished that maybe you and your partner could each have your own his and hers houses? Well, agreeing on design doesn't have to be as hard as it is sometimes, guys. We're going to teach you some design tips for marriage harmony when the Money Pit continues. You live in a money pit. Making good homes better, this is the Money Pit Home Improvement Radio Show. I'm Tom Kreitler. And I'm Leslie Segretti. Well, this is a homeowner's worst nightmare and a very common one, too, getting water into the basement from mold to structural damage. If you get basement moisture, it can quickly breed other problems. The good news is that keeping that water out in the first place isn't really that tough. If you want tips on how to do just that, it's on our homepage right now. Check out the Money Pit's basement waterproofing tips at moneypit.com. All right, let's jump into our email questions where Leah writes, I recently had recessed lighting installed throughout my home. The lights in the living room won't dim sufficiently. Even though the bulbs are dimming recessed light bulbs, they only dim a tiny bit. And the lowest level is still bright. What can I do? You know... It sounds like you're maybe dealing with LED bulbs. LED bulbs are great energy savers, but they don't have the dimming range of incandescent bulbs. Uh, What you might want to do is look into Lutron dimmers. They have a dimmer called the Maestro that has an adjustable range feature that can truly make sure that the entire range of dim that's available in whatever bulbs you have, even if you've got a mixed load of, say, LEDs and CFLs and incandescents, they can all work on one dimmer properly adjusted to handle exactly what you are trying to accomplish. Yeah, that's a smart move. Well, with Valentine's Day around the corner, love is in the air. But if there's one thing that can bring an end to warm fuzzies and all the fireworks, it's a man and woman trying to agree on home design. Whether it's designing for him or her, it doesn't have to involve so much sacrifice. Leslie's got a few design ideas for Marriage Harmony in this week's edition of Leslie's Last Word. Yeah, you know, guys, women get a bad rap for wanting frilly or lacy homes, and men get a bad rap for lacking a sense of design. And while neither is often 100% true, I mean, I know a lot of girls who like super modern clean things, and I know a lot of guys with a lot of design sense. So right there, 
Those are bad stereotypes. But we really have some great ways that you can increase the chances that both you and your partner are going to love the look of the place that you live in. For starters, want to try to let neutral colors dominate. You know, they're generally well-liked by both men and women, and they're really the perfect canvas for small splashes of color that both of you are going to love. Now, you can let him or your partner, whomever it is, choose the throw pillows or things in their favorite colors, while the other partner could choose the throw rug or the curtains. So you've got to kind of try to work together to find things that both of you like, find common ground, and then bring them both into the space. Now, men often lead toward earthy, durable fabrics and materials like leathers and hardwood, which conveniently are perfect partners for softer fabrics and patterns. So you can mix and match these materials throughout your home, and that's going to keep everybody very happy. Now, another trouble spot in relationships... We're talking about the couch here. So you want to give equal attention to comfort and appearance when you are shopping for one. The ideal sofa is going to be cozy enough for football games and sick days, but it's also going to look great in the space and stay tidy and be cleanable. Those are key factors right there. Now, when it comes to adorning your walls with art or photos or prints, supply is your friend. So if one of you loves rugged landscapes and sailing vessels, while the other one prefers cottages and flowers, well, just keep shopping. Whether you're looking online or in a gallery or in a store, there is so much artwork out there that eventually you're going to find something that works for you both. And remember, it doesn't have to actually be an image. It could be a texture or a wall hanging or a basket or something like that that gives you just a decor item without being so specific. Really keep looking, guys. You're going to find stuff you like and you will find a way to make your home work for everybody who's involved. This is the Money Pit Home Improvement Radio Show. Coming up next time on the program, we're going to talk about insulation, specifically fiberglass bat insulation. You know, it makes the space cozier and more energy efficient, but only if it's installed properly. Learn how to do that the first time on the next edition of the Money Pit. I'm Tom Kreitler. And I'm Leslie Segretti. Remember, you can do it yourself. But you don't have to do it alone.